On this episode, I interviewed Jimmy Yen, who is an acupuncturist and has built the largest acupuncture clinic in Austin, Texas. He's done this through his mission to help people restore their body's natural ability so they can do what they love. I hope you enjoy the episode and would love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. Good afternoon, Austin. Hope everyone is having a great day today. Back here with the Austin Spotlight, my name is Troy Schlicker, as hopefully most of you know nowadays. But I'm here today with Jimmy Yen of Achieve Integrative Health. And just want to say thanks for joining me today, Jimmy. Yeah, Troy. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show. Yeah, it was really cool learning a little bit about your company, obviously, beforehand. I don't necessarily do probably as deep a dive of research as some people do, but also not trying to like you know, uncover the where the bodies are buried kind of thing is never necessarily yeah. the goal of the podcast either. So not having to do go crazy with the research. But for people who don't know you, which may be less than you think sometimes, because you have a pretty big online presence, both on Instagram and TikTok and a few different places. But for those people who don't know you, maybe give us a little bit of your origin story about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Jimmy Yen. I am a licensed acupuncturist here in Austin, Texas. I have a practice in technically Cedar Park, Texas. It's the largest acupuncture practice in Austin. And I am, I'm a UT grad, so hook them horns. I've been in Austin for a while, since 94. Um, I actually went to one year of high school here in McCallum High School. For those of y'all who know, it used to be one of the smallest high schools here in Austin. So I went there one year, then I went to UT, and then I went to acupuncture school. And so I'm also known, as you say, I've got a pretty big following on social media, branded myself as a TikTok acupuncturist. And what I do is just share biohacking tips on my social media page. And while my clinic, I have a team, a big team that provides treatments of Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. And our mission is really to help people restore their body's natural ability to heal itself so that they can do all the things that they love to do. That's awesome. Yeah. 1994 is definitely one of the more tenured Austinites at that point in time. I've been here since about 2006 or so. So about 16, 17 years. And that's in a lot of of cases, that's like, oh, you've been here a long time. So 94 definitely is on the longer side of things. What was the pre-get-it-to-Austin part of your life and journey? I Actually, before that, I was actually in Taiwan. So I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. But I came here, my parents brought me here when I was about a year and a half. So I was born in Taiwan, but I was raised a Texan. So I've been in Texas majority of my life. But prior to coming to Austin, I was actually in uh, Taiwan. My parents wanted me to learn my own language so I could speak it. So they took me back to Taiwan for one year to learn some Chinese, some Mandarin Chinese. And then knowing I have an older sister and she was about a year and a half older than me. She was already in UT Austin. And my parents were like, guess what? Guess where you're going to college? (laughs) So since my sister was already here, she was just the natural progression. And so we moved, actually my parents didn't move back. I came back and I lived with my sister for my senior year in high school, just so that we can get the residency and so forth. And yeah, so after I came back a year for my senior year and then directly went into UT, but even prior to that, I've lived in, wow. 
Dallas, actually Plano, specifically Plano for a year. I was in Houston for two years. I was in also a very small town. Not many people know unless you're really a Texan. Uh, it's a little town called Commerce, Texas. And it is about a year, not a year, an hour and a half north of Dallas. So it's near the Oklahoma, Texas border. And back then, I believe the population was probably a thousand. So I grew up, I probably grew up, I would say grew up there in a small Texas town. What had you, what made you decide? Did, were, so initially when you were going to college, were you yeah. initially going for acupuncture? And was that kind of the, the thought process going in? Or were you like a lot of college students where you ended up changing majors three or four times? While you oh, were yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I wanted to change my major multiple times, but I ended up not doing it, uh, thankfully. So I went to UT and I, I did change it. I started off as a chemistry major and then transitioned to biochemistry. So not too big of a change. So I ended up graduating with a biochemistry degree, bachelor's. And my original intention was actually to go to veterinary school. And so that was why I majored in biochemistry. So that was my original intention. However, my, I would say after I graduated or close to when I was graduating, I was at a fork in the road. And so at that time I was working part-time at a this frame shop. And at that time I met a girl and at that time I had to make a decision. I was, I had to, the decision was, do I stay in Austin and pursue the girl or do I go to veterinary school and veterinary school is in Texas A&M. That's yep. Texas. That's the only veterinary school in Texas. So that's in college station. So I had a choice. Do I go for the girl or I go for a veterinarian? And so obviously I stayed. I pursued yeah, the girl. I obviously chose the girl. Right? <laughs> Any decision that includes those two almost always goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I made the smart decision. <laughs> yes. What is that? We're 23. So 22 years later, she's still my wife. So I married the girl and we've been married for 22 years. That's awesome. That definitely was the right decision. But the, sure. to answer your question, I didn't even answer your question. So then I, so if I had to stay in Austin, so I had to decide what, I, what am I going to do? And so at that time, it just so happened my dad was talking to me about, oh, hey, there's an acupuncture school here in Austin. So all of this was happening all at the same time. And, and Chinese medicine has been part of my culture growing up, even though I grew up here in Texas, but my parents raised me with the Chinese medicine theories about how to eat, how to do lifestyle, how to just basic natural healing, I would say strategies. And so my dad was like, Hey, did you know there's an acupuncture school? And I was like, yeah, great. And then that got my foot in the door and the rest is history. That's cool. And nowadays I've actually seen instances on different shows where the vets and animals will get acupuncture as well too. So maybe you can melt. Oh yeah meld the two together at some point although i'm sure there are some just the same way medical school and veterinarian school are not the same thing i'm sure there are definitely some specifics required for animal acupuncture techniques as well too yeah they're in the state of texas every state is different laws in different states in the state of texas you have to be a veterinarian in order to do acupuncture on animals okay. so i wouldn't be able to do that but i have veterinarians that are patients of mine then sure. they do acupuncture on their animals. And so a lot of times they would, they would consult with me. It's like, what do you do on humans? 
And then I would teach them what I would do on humans and they would do it on the pets and it would sure. work miraculously. Yeah. Cause yeah, I imagine there's not, even though, again, I, even though you've seen it, I've seen it like on zoo shows or different things when uh-huh. they're trying to take care of older animals that way. I would imagine that it's not such a popular category that there's specific schools for that the same way there are traditional acupuncture schools. So unless someone's specifically going to vet school and then to acupuncture school, my guess is a lot of people who do that are probably getting more kind of side courses or individualized Mm -hmm. training from someone like yourself who knows and can teach them the techniques that would be able that they could potentially use that way. Yeah, I'm not sure that how, I, I believe veterinarians have just, they have their own training in veterinarian acupuncture, but it's actually becoming super popular. Yeah. We actually have quite a few patients. The reason why they are trying acupuncture for themselves is because they first had their pets test it for them. <laughs> and we know animals don't lie. So if it works yeah. on an animal, we know it's working. So that it goes to some people think that acupuncture is just a voodoo. It's done on animals, and if the animal improves, the animal can't lie to you and say acupuncture doesn't work. And so yeah. we have a, quite a few the, patients. The animal's not like, you spent all this money on me. I'm just going to pretend like I feel better suddenly. Exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, no, I just feel better. I just naturally feel better. No. But yeah, there's so many veterinary acupuncturists becoming so super popular. Sure. Just the whole pet side of things in general, oh, right? Yeah. Like the amount of money that Americans spend on their pets, whether it's food, toys, doggy daycare all those kind of things oh, yeah. has grown exponentially so not surprising that the acupuncture side of it has grown as well when you were going then to acupuncture school was the thought process to start your own clinic and business kind of from the onset like that was an early goal for you or was it just to go work at another practice it was i wanted to work for somebody in the beginning because I've never ran a business. I have no idea how to do it and successfully. So I wanted to find someone that has been there, done that. And so unfortunately, when I graduated, this was 2004, there wasn't many acupuncture jobs available. But I was very fortunate that a one of the one of actually my classmates whose husband was a physician. And that physician, they lived in Waco and they were starting a integrative, one of the very first integrative practices. And so they were combining Western medicine with traditional Chinese medicine or acupuncture. And she knew I did pretty good in school and so she knew who I was and she's like, Hey, you want to come up to Waco and just help us start this integrative practice? And you can be basically the department head for the acupuncture. And I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to. I'd be honored to. And so I was very fortunate that I was able to start that way and work and help them develop the acupuncture department in the integrative clinic. Nice. And so then that once you started that and knew you probably didn't want to live up in Waco potentially for the rest of your life, you were kind of like, <laughs> hey, let's not like that gave you the confidence to start your own or were there some more steps along the way there? Oh, there was a lot more steps and it's just the journey of an entrepreneur. I actually did not move up to Waco and for people, not to, <laughs> for people who've been to Waco, wrong Waco. Other, than, wrong with Waco yeah. other than over the last, as someone who has driven through it many times, uh, <laughs> over the last number of years, the traffic up there because of all the expansion they've been doing on 35 has been crazy, but otherwise yeah. it's a, it's, it's yeah. actually a wonderful 
see. This was back in 2004. So there was fair, there fair wasn't enough. that yeah, much. Really- there was nothing out there. Yeah. They had, I remember they they have restaurants, but they only have one of each type of restaurants. Sure. And that's how but anyways, so I was actually I was living here. So I was living here in Austin, actually in Leander, and I was driving to Waco every single day. And so that was three hours every single day. I rarely saw the sun because I was getting up early to drive and then I was leaving late. So it would just be like dark all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a few months and I love driving, but that got tiring. Sure. And so I was like, no, I, I'm not going to do this. And my wife and I, we weren't going to move up to Waco. And so that's when I said, okay, I got to come back, come to Austin and just figure out what I'm going to do, open a practice because there wasn't other jobs. I looked for other jobs, but nobody at that time, there was not many successful acupuncture clinics and they couldn't afford to hire people. And so I had, I had no choice, but if I want to continue to practice, I had to open a practice by myself. Sure. But instead, actually I found another acupuncturist and I said, Hey, you want to partner, you want to partner with me and uh, let's open a practice together. And so that was actually my very first practice. I opened that when I came back to Austin and it was in Southwest Austin near the Y and Oak Hill. And so we opened the pra- we opened the practice. Again, I had no experience building a practice. I helped start that clinic up there, but sure. being in a business and helping them build a business versus you starting it from scratch is completely different. And that business did not, I mean, we barely survived. We did about eight months of that and it was, we were just not making money. It was not sustainable. And so I was at another fork in the road. So I was in another fork in the road and I was like, what am I going to do? Cause we're not making any money. We're getting into more debt. I already had over a hundred thousand dollars in debt from school and I was just accumulating more debt. And so I was, I had to make a decision. Do I do something else, find another career and, or do something else. And actually at that time, one of my wife's friends who is a nurse anesthetist there, they make really good money in the, when they graduate starting salary that you come out is 150,000. So I was like, maybe I should try that. And so temporarily at that time I gave up on acupuncture and I decided to pursue this nurse anesthetist. So in order to do that, I needed to become, I need to get a nursing degree first because my bachelor's was in biochemistry. I needed a nursing degree in order to get to the a bachelor's in nursing in order to apply for the master's in nursing to become a nurse anesthetist. And so I, I didn't really want to go through four years of another bachelor's. So I found a program actually in Texas Tech and they have an accelerator program where they condense four years of nursing school into one year. And I applied for it and thankfully I got accepted to it. And yeah, then I enrolled in that program and I, me personally, I moved up to Lubbock. That's where Texas Tech is. And, but my wife, she had her job here. She just started her job and she was here in Austin. So we had to be apart. And so that was a decision that I made at that time. And I did one month about that. I I did one month in the program and I would drive back on the weekends. I don't know if you've driven to Lubbock. I've been to Lubbock once and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a track. That's enough. 
Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. There's not, not a whole lot to see on the way to and around. Yeah, it's, that it is the perfect drive for self-driving cars. Is yes. So it's an eight-hour drive, right? Yeah. So I was driving eight hours one way on the weekends, and then I would drive back to school when the weekend's over. And so after a month of that, my wife and I, we were just like, man, I mean, we're it's just tough on your marriage being apart, right? And we're like, okay, no amount of money is worth being apart. And so then I made another decision. So I decided, hey, okay, this is not worth it. So I decided I'm gonna I'm going to give it one last try. I'm gonna come back to Austin and I'm gonna open my own practice by myself this time. And this time I have no choice. I'm going to make it successful. So I unenrolled out of the program from, from Texas Tech, moved back to Austin, Ander, and started my practice, my current practice in 2007. And since then, when, when all your ships are burned and you have, you have nowhere to go but to succeed and you're, you have to succeed, there is no other choice. And you do whatever it takes. And then in 2007 till now I have the largest practice. It all worked oh, out great. <laughs> oh, you no, know, that's awesome. Like you say, it's, and I think it's an important story to tell that like, like a lot of times, again, being on social media, right, you have a relatively large following, but like you get to say that you're the largest practice here in Austin and all those things which are true and awesome. But a lot of people don't realize the struggles that most oh, successful yeah. people have to go through in order to get there. It's not usually just a straight line from, hey, I graduated to... I'm now run the most, the largest practice in Austin, Texas type of thing. There's struggles along the way that could have potentially taken different turns or choi no. choices that could have been made. Like, had you decided to stick out the nursing program, like you'd yeah. probably be in a little bit different place today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I, it's pretty much, I quit twice in my life. <laughs> I hate quitting and sure. I, I don't consider myself a quitter. You can say pivot. You can say quit. Yeah, you can no, say quit. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of the things, though, that like people sometimes aren't, especially people who are successful academically, because if you're successful academically, usually you don't have any failures until you're out in a, like, so for the first 22 years of your life, you're successful because you usually getting A's and B's in school and passing tests yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right? So it can be extra hard to fail in something like the joint business, the partnership with the other acupuncturist because you're just not used to dealing with things not succeeding. So, but right. Like had that, like the, there's also a scenario I'm sure where that could have worked and you would have mm -hmm. been moderately successful enough to keep it going, but not yeah. really that successful and maybe not yes. have enjoyed it as much as I'm sure you're able to enjoy having your own practice. Uh, yeah. The way you do now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely learning experiences and I don't, it's, I appreciate all of those experiences, all of those hardships and hurdles that, that I went through because I definitely would not be where I am today without those. It helps you appreciate the success more, right? Like oh, yeah. If it's not, if, it, if success comes too easy sometimes, it's not enjoyed and appreciated the same way as if there are some struggles along the way. Definitely. I would think I, yeah, if success came more easily, I think we tend to be less grateful or for everything that happens for the people around you, the people that supported you when times were tough. And but going through those struggles, you can identify and it reminds us to be grateful to those people and also to be empathetic to people that are starting out that sure. are going through those struggles right now.
Yeah, that's right. To not have the judgment on somebody else who's maybe not as successful in their current mm-hmm. endeavor right now, because you've been there, I've been there, most people have been there where it's like, hey, you're not, it's not always just success upon success. And so like when somebody else is struggling, again, part of the reason that I like started the podcast was it's interesting to hear other people's stories and journeys about them going through struggles and the challenges to hopefully become successful at their career one point in time. And that, and to realize that it's worth taking those chances, right? You had, mm-hmm. there's, again, you would have had to probably leave Austin since there weren't really any openings, but there were, there would have been other way, things you could have done. Like you say, gone to be a nurse practitioner. I'm sure there were maybe more on the coast where acupuncture was maybe more accepted and there was more mm-hmm. Chinese medicine and some of those kind of things you could have moved somewhere else to go work at someone else's practice that way too. Yeah. So there were other avenues that you could have taken that would have been good too. There's nothing, would have been anything wrong with those, but probably not yeah. as satisfying as where things are now. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think the biggest thing was having your ships burned. A lot of people talk about burning your own ships. I didn't have ships to burn. <laughs> they were all burned for me. My family was not a wealthy family. We, we, I remember growing up on food stamps. And so it's very, having your ships burned for you, I think I actually take that as an advantage because sure. you don't have anything to burn versus if you have ships to burn, then you have to go over that hur- hurdle of burning your own ships. But when you don't have any ships to burn, you have no choice. Yeah. Um, you either, either it's just like sink or swim. And so thankfully I swam. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, like I say, and very much so if you have that safety net, like yeah. it, it is possible to cut the umbilical cord or you know, leave that safety net to really see if you can succeed. But a lot of times it's hard to truly make that change. And again, it's probably one of the reasons that had you finished the nursing program and gotten mm-hmm. into that field and been, again, if you're making a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars a year doing that, it'd be really hard at that point in time to be like, Hey, let me leave this program now that mm-hmm. I'm starting to make some income and go back to the, who knows if this is going to work out and yeah. And try and at that point it wouldn't have been have to sink or swim because it'd been like oh i've already got this degree that i can fall back on and just go back to work at seton yeah exactly and i think it depends on the person itself i think because not everybody has that entrepreneur personality and not everybody is that the right path for them some people are their strength is in academia or a more structured uh, environment Versus entrepreneur is chaos in the beginning. And so not everybody can handle that chaos and it's not healthy for everybody to have it. Thankfully, that is my personality and I love entrepreneurship, but it isn't necessarily for everybody. No. And yeah, again, there's like, say, I enjoy talking to other people that are small business owners because I do find that exciting and interesting, but yeah, it's definitely not the type of career for everyone. And even entrepreneurs and small business owners wouldn't be successful most entrepreneurs and small business owners, if they didn't have the support of people who don't want to be that, wouldn't be no. as successful oh, yeah. as the either, right? Because like Absolutely. at some Absolutely. level, you need some organization yes. and some structure to really to make the thing take off and grow. But you also need that engine that the entrepreneur usually provides, especially early yes. on, to think outside the box and work the wild yeah. and crazy hours and deal with the stress of, shoot, we don't know where the money's coming for payroll in two weeks at this point in yeah. time. And, and again, that stress and that craziness isn't for most people, which is perfectly fine as well, too. So it's definitely a blend of different types of personalities and different strengths and weaknesses that make a business successful. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm definitely learning that right now since I'm working on expanding. And so having different personalities on your team is super important. I'd say that seems like the largest acupuncturist here in Austin or clinic feels like the next Austin thing you need to do is have the North and South locations, right? Like that's what every Austin business that's successful does. It's like, oh, we got to have our North location because if you live North of 35th street, you're not going to drive down South past the river. And if you live South of the 704, you're not going to come up to South Dallas as people like to call it, who, who live down there. And is that something that's on the agenda for you guys, you think at some point, or would it be more just another location, a little bit more, towards Round Rock, Hutto, up north still for you guys? Oh, absolutely. That's been, that is part of one of my plans, expansion plans. It is to have, actually, I would like to have 10 clinics all around Austin. And so I did have two clinics prior to COVID, and then I had to condense when COVID happened. But sure. now we're on, yeah, I want to expand. So my goal right now is to have 10 clinics around Austin. And then after Austin, then I'll go to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. That's the goal. That's another thing with a real entrepreneur too, is like, so it's funny. I don't know if you would necessarily consider yourself that since uh-huh. if you didn't necessarily grow up that way, but like you scratched that itch, obviously in, <laughs> in doing the businesses, but now that you've done that, it's like, well, what's next, right? It's got ne- never satisfied with, like, oh, this is going really well. And I'm really grateful that it's going well, but it's like, now we got to keep, we got to keep building. We got to keep striving for the next thing. Yeah, it's for me, everybody has their own reasons why they want to expand. For me, it goes back to my mission. So my mission of helping 1 million people with their health, restore their health. And so I can't do it by myself. I learned probably a few years into my practice that me, solo practitioner, I can only help so many people every single day. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's only how many days in a week, right? And so that's why I knew I need to hire team members to help me. Because they can help my clinic help more people exponentially. And so the reason why I want to open so many clinics is because I want to reach my mission of helping 1 million people. Now, that's from one mission is to help people restore their body's health. I also have a mission of, hey, my profession, I love my profession. And it's not getting recognized as much here in the U.S., All over the world it is, but here in the U.S., it's still growing super slow. So that's another one of my passions to help elevate my profession. And that's another thing why I need to have more clinics, because with more clinics, more popularity, more voice, more will that a stronger voice, then people will start to listen. And then the last passion that I have is I love corporations. I love like Dell, IBM, Apple. And the reason why I love those corporations is because I would like to build a business where that business is supporting and providing for 4,000 families. That is just, I would say, the pinnacle of success for me is to build something that, that supports 4,000 families. I just, that just makes me excited when I talk about it. Yeah. No, I think that's something that a lot of people don't. Obviously, there's a lot of both sides of the aisle or spectrum as far as like the bad corporations and all that kind of stuff. But it's like at the oh, same yeah. point in time, yeah. those corporations, while they, a lot of them make a lot of money, like they are also supporting a lot of employees yes. and a lot of people and stuff too. And so there's definitely some good things. And, and obviously like in most businesses or most things in life, there's ways that most businesses and people individually can improve on, on things, but that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that they're anything's usually all bad or all good. 
Exactly. Exactly. I know the corporations get a bad, bad rap. I guess the way to do things, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking sure. about the fact, the positives of it. Right? Yeah. How many, just like Austin, you've seen it. You're a realtor, right? You're in real estate. And so you've seen the influx of people. That's all because of corporations providing jobs that they are supporting thousands, millions of families. That's just, for me, just so out, outstanding. Yep. So Tony, you mentioned that like your profession, you know, kind mm -hmm. of Eastern, Eastern medicine is still slowly growing here mm -hmm. in the United States. And I feel like it's gotten, I do feel like it's gotten significantly bigger. It's not that it's significantly big in comparison to Western medicine and yeah. stuff at this point in time, but like a lot of things in life, whether it's food or just regular culture or medicine, right? there's been definitely in the last 20 years, a much better influx and mixing of different types of things. But I do feel like, unlike food, which is really simple because it's like today, I feel like Chinese food and tomorrow I feel like Mexican food. A lot of times when it comes to medicine, people tend to have a try to have more of a consistent approach. And so if you're used to, hey, I go to my doctor and my doctor you pills or my doctor says to do whatever rare it's more rare that you deviate off that course and be like well, let me try eastern medicine for this one thing but western medicine for this thing and so i think that can be one of the challenges in it growing but obviously health and wellness in general is something that is important to a lot of people and so there's a lot of people our age who there's it feels like there's a lot more healthy people our age than yeah. there were when we were in high school and college type of thing and you didn't oh, see yeah, yeah. people in their 40s and 50s being as active and seeming like they're in still in their 20s or 30s a lot of times and i, and I, I forgot when but if you remember back then when the medical the uh, surgeon general the medical uh, research or all that stuff they were saying smoking was uh, was healthy sure way back when right and so it's not for me when I say I want to elevate our, my, my profession, it's more about educating, right? Because Chinese medicine is not this is not the superior medicine when it comes to acute care. And I definitely I love Western medicine. It's I started studying it when I was in college, but it has every medicine has its place. So sure. it's more for me it's about educating the public to let them know they have options. It's not to force people to be healthy or to choose, Chinese medicine is to let them know, hey, there are options. And if you actually want to fix a problem, a chronic disease, I'm not talking about you get in an accident, your, your hand is barely hanging on your body. Please go to the emergency room. Don't ever come to an acupuncture <laughs> clinic because we ain't going to sew you up. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to save you. You need to go to Western medicine, you go to the hospital. That's where Western medicine saves lives. They save countless of lives. And I'm sure. very appreciative of that. Now, when it comes to chronic, but you're not in an acute situation every single day. Majority of us are not. A majority of us are in chronic situations. They've been a disorder that's been there for a long time, like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, obesity, insomnia. These are chronic disorders. Now, Western medicine has the strength of providing symptom relief, which means it takes away the symptom temporarily but it's going to come back once you stop the medication. Like if you're relying upon medication to regulate your blood pressure, if you stop that medication, your blood pressure goes back to where it was before. It's mm -hmm. still a problem. 
That's what they mean by masking a problem. And so what I would like to do is to let people know, hey, if you want, it's your choice. If you don't want to fix your problem, then stick with the pill. That's okay. But there are people that want to fix the problem. And what I mean by that is getting their body to fix it by themselves. Because most of us were not born with high blood pressure. Something happened. We were born healthy. We were born healthy. Something happened. And now we have high blood pressure. So what does that tell us? That means our body has the ability to regulate our blood pressure by itself without any treatments. So Chinese medicine has the ability to help retrain the body to go back to where it was, which is self-healing. That is my definition of truly fixing the problem. If you're taking a pill, it doesn't matter if it's an herbal pill. If you have to take an herbal pill to sustain your blood pressure, that's still not fixing the problem. That's still masking the problem. But the difference with Chinese medicine is that it has the ability to retrain the body, the brain to heal itself so that your body can start healing. Your body can heal your blood pressure by itself. It can heal your diabetes by yourself. You can heal your insomnia, your migraines, your neuropathy. It can heal all those by itself again. So that's what I would like to do is just provide more information so that people know they have options. Yeah. Now they say the human body's a pretty miraculous machine for lack of a better word. And, but, yeah. but it's also, again, it, but it also does a great job of staying in homeostasis, right? Like, yes. hey, if you're going to sit all day for eight hours plus a day, yeah. guess what? We're going to get really comfortable doing that. And then it's going to make it a lot harder to be super active. If you're going to compensate for a bad knee or a bad, mm-hmm. whatever, bad hip and not, you know, just like, and may, maybe you're not even necessarily masking it through medicine, but Hey, I'm just yeah. not going to do activities because when I do them, my knee hurts. I'm, I'm just going to walk and go to work and stuff and give up sports or whatever those things may be that your body's going to get to the point where it's like, great, well, we're just not going to be able to do anything active at any point in time, but it's going to, that's not a great way to, to Pain avoidance or just avoidance in general is generally not a good way to live for your body or for life in general. Yeah, it's like symptom avoidance. Yeah, you said it exactly right. Our bodies are so brilliant. It's so resilient. It can adapt to anything. That's the beauty of our body, right? And so, yeah, it can adapt to unhealthy lifestyle situations. And like you said, people will just give up things, give up other things. Maybe they're not doing some type of treatment. They're just, okay, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I love playing tennis, but I can't because my knee hurts. My knee keeps on swelling. So I'm just not going to play tennis anymore. But here's the thing is those people sometimes later, 10 years down the road, they're like, man, I wish I could play tennis again. And here's the thing. There is a chance that they could Mm -hmm. if they just get their bodies right. Obviously, they have to exercise. They have to change their diet. Those are two that everybody knows. Watch what you eat. Get out and move more. Everybody knows that, but nobody does it consistently. If everybody did that, actually just took those two things, right? All the doctors would be out of business, right? It's because we don't do those things. But healing can be very simple. It's not easy, but it can be very simple. But yeah, we we tend to just give up on things that we love to do. And I'm like, I'm trying to say, hey, you don't have to. You can do everything that you love to do. Yeah, no, I'm definitely kind of the way I'm like, okay, how can I... What's a way that I can make that happen versus, oh, I just have to give it up. So again, 
I feel like for a 43 year old, I'm probably one of the healthier ones. I know I'm one of the healthier ones based on some of the activities and stuff that I'm able to do. And it's like yeah. I'm trying to find ways to continue to stay healthy because that's the other thing too, is like a lot of people don't realize how long we're likely to live with that confluence of Western and Eastern medicine and stuff that's mm-hmm. happening with people and just nutrition and all those kind of things. Like for me, both on my mom's side of the family, my grandpa and my great grandpa lived to be over a hundred years old. And so oh, wow. like, there's a chance that there's a legitimate chance that I could do that. And then when you take into like if in life insurance nowadays, if someone's born today, they're like, they do life insurance and stuff based on like 120 year old table. I just process that people are going to start to live that old in another hundred years based on just the advances in all different kinds of technology. And so like, you're really going to live another full lifetime or more. Yeah. The last thing that I want to do is have to live it in a wheelchair or exactly. you know, like get out of bed and stuff. So it's like, how long can you continue staying as active and as fit and as able to do as many things as possible for as long as possible seems like a pretty worthwhile goal. Yeah. If not for yourself, what about your kids? What about your, if you're going to live 120 years old, you probably, you could see your grandkids and maybe even your grand grandkids. Like, do you want to be sitting in a wheelchair watching them or do you want to be walking with them? Yeah. Enjoying the experiences instead of just being a spectator in them. Yeah. That's yeah. You said it. Yeah. For people that, yeah, for people that want to find out more about you guys, what are the, maybe some of the best ways to learn more, get in touch? Yeah, I would say follow me on social media at Achieve Integrative Health. You can find us on TikTok. We're everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. We're on Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, or else. Everything, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Twitter. Yeah. So find us at achieve integrative health and we can start there, start the conversation. If you want to learn some biohacking tips, I offer free biohacking tips on those channels. And if you actually need some customized care, customized help, and you're here in Austin, Texas or near the vicinity, we have people driving from New Braunfels, San Marcos coming to us. There's a reason why we're the largest. We get really great results and people are willing to drive an hour, two hours, one way just to come see us and get the results. Huh? So yeah. If you're my, my, my mom doesn't live in the area, but she has RA arthritis and she mm-hmm. drives over an hour about once a month to go see her specialist for that. Yeah. For, for a good physician, doctor, expert, it's worth the time and energy oh, yeah. to make that happen for sure. Yeah. Cause you're going to save time. Time is the one asset we never get back. Once you lose it, it's gone. So if you want more time with your family, more time to do the things that you love to do, then you want to shorten that healing time. And so you find the best. Definitely. Jimmy, I really appreciate you taking the time to to join me today on the podcast. And it was super fun, interesting conversation to hear your story and talk a little bit about health and wellness as well, too. Always a fun topic for me. Yeah, thank you, Troy. Thanks for allowing me to share my story and share my passion for Chinese medicine. It was fun. I love doing these things. Appreciate it. Hope everyone has a wonderful day out there.